And so that night I was in that city, I was still smoking cigarettes, handing out flyers to people, you should get saved, you should get saved with my cigarettes in my, in my hand. And actually two of the people I invited came and got saved. And then I realized, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? So I got saved that, that very night myself. And uh, from then on, things were like a, a roller coaster, or at least like a, a rocket. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. Well, hello and welcome back to the VBPH Sermon Podcast, and it is Testimony Tuesday once again. We're very glad that you have decided to join us for this uh, this opportunity to talk to another pastor, and we are very, very uh, excited to welcome our first Dutch pastor to Testimony Tuesday, and his name is Pastor Dirk van Rijn. I hope I said that okay. Yep, perfect. Yeah, that's great. And well, w- welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for yeah. uh, making the making the time to join us. We appreciate it. Yeah, my honor. So uh, uh, we should uh, we should let the audience know that uh, that I'm recording this at uh, 5 p.m. on a Thursday, and uh, that means it's six hours ahead for you. So you uh, really blessed us uh, by staying up late. So thank you for that. We appreciate you. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I should also let the the audience know that I love the Dutch churches. Uh, when I was a missionary in Bulgaria. Uh, I had the great opportunity of joining uh, the conference. Uh, I think we were there on four separate occasions for February conferences because my pastor, Pastor Campbell, would come and preach for the Dutch conference every February. I think he still does that. Still does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, that was a great opportunity for us. It was uh, it was not not quite the same as going back home, but for us, Holland felt a lot more like home than mm. did Bulgaria. And so it was a great time of uh, ministry. I got to preach in different churches and got to know some of the Dutch pastors and fellows, uh, fellow uh, uh, missionaries and, and people that gathered in. The, the Dutch conference is such a miracle uh, that I see. So um, maybe you can, um, you can tell our listeners a little bit about uh, where you are now and, and your experience there. Yeah, so now currently I'm uh, in Leeuwarden. So that's the church formerly, uh, uh, I took it over from Pastor Nomdo Schuitema, who's currently in uh, Zwolle. He took the leadership there. And um, so it's all the way up the north in Holland, quite, well, relatively speaking, further away from the other churches. Holland ain't that big. And uh, so we're here now for about mm, three and a half towards four years already. And, um, and, and so we're, we're happy to be here. Uh, it's, uh, it's an easy place to live um and the church is doing well we're very happy you know that the whole takeover thing went well and uh so we're we thank god for that and uh people stuck around which is also a good miracle and um so yeah that's where we are right now um yeah we're blessed to to have been taken over that church 
Well, praise yeah. God. Yeah, I know. And you're being a little bit humble right now because the Leowarden Church is is one of the bigger churches in Holland, and they you, you've been a leadership church for for several years, correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I had the privilege to preach there uh, before you had taken over. I think it was yeah, just about four that. years ago. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I had a wonderful experience there. Pastor Nomdo was, of course, very yeah. gracious, and uh, now he's stepped into the leadership role there in Holland. Yeah, and uh, I've just uh, from what I've seen, it seems like things are going well there. It seems like yeah. churches are thriving, from what I can see, at least from the other side of the Atlantic. Yeah, so that that feels for us the same way. And uh, of course, a, a position like that is is going to be challenging, or I mean, for everybody to adapt to new situation. But I'm I'm very happy that it all went well, and and still is going very well. And Pastor Schuytema has accepted uh, as well, and he's he's doing great in my opinion. So uh, that's all I know. Um, but but yeah, we're we're happy in in everything how it's going right now. Yeah. So I, I have a, a great position as far as uh, I, I've been to several uh, churches and cities there in Holland and had the privilege to preach in different cities there. And um, so I know uh, a little bit, maybe maybe you can inform our audience about uh, what kind of influence the Dutch churches have had around the world. And, and mm. this is going to kind of start getting into your story yeah. because uh, because the, the Dutch churches, though the uh, small country, comparatively speaking to the United States yeah. or other places. Uh, but, um, but a very um, amazing core of, of faithful people and uh, people who are dedicated to the, the missionary call. And so maybe can you, can you share some of what the Dutch churches have been doing uh, when it comes to world evangelism? I know one of the big yeah. projects was China. It was the Dutch exactly. church that yeah. first had breakthrough in, in the Chinese churches. Um, but yeah. you can update us and tell us a little bit more about what the, the Dutch churches are do, doing. Yeah. So, so first of all, I'd like to say uh, 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 before that is that we see our conferences. Well, during Corona, we all, we didn't always see everybody coming, but we you could really steadily see throughout the conferences the the group of people that visit the conferences. So, in in all the Dutch fellowship has been still growing, growing, growing. I remember there have been conference nights about fourteen, fifteen hundred people on like Thursday nights, and it was really you could just see it expanding um so that that's already very nice but um like when when it comes to world evangelism from what i know um i know there's been a big influence in lithuania uh, years ago um there's been uh african nations here and there um south africa already from long way ago currently there's uh, uh pastors in in indonesia china of course is is empty now for what what comes to missionaries though but it's it's that's uh i mean that's the situation there in china um portugal uh cape verde islands that was a takeover and so all around these places here and there there's people going to denmark which is eu Um, i'm actually going tomorrow i'm going to go to croatia where's also a pioneer uh missionary pastor over there uh, justin anton and he's going into croatia he's in croatia right now uh, Czech Republic is connected to the Dutch fellowship. Um, if I'm not mistaken, then Sweden, no, Norway, excuse me, Norway, uh, which is recently uh, France in Paris, Belgium. So there's all these different wow. nations. And um, the good thing for EU is that mostly you can, you could go to a nation. You don't need to particularly be full time. You can find a job there. So that makes it a bit easier. Yeah. And uh, not always, but it makes it easier to travel along along those borders. And I've been to the U.S. a, a couple of times and 
I like to drive around, uh, usually on purposely. I, I take an airport like 10 hours away so I can drive a long way through all those states. I love it. But those were, you know, what you call states. That's the EU in nation. So right. I could take a car and I'm in France in five hours. I'm, right. I'm in Germany in one hour, Denmark in five hours. So um, that makes it very easy locally. Well, relatively easy to, to visit those places. And uh, I'm, I'm happy the Dutch were always... Uh, 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 road evangelism has been always very important and people are enthusiastic about it. They give and uh, um, yeah, it, it's very high on our, uh, uh, our priority list, so to say. One of the things that blew my mind uh, when I first came to the Holland conference was uh, looking back in the back of the room and it wasn't quite as uh, that many people at that time. But yeah. uh, to see all of those different languages, the, yeah. the translation booths, and 13 or 14 people yeah. translating exactly. one sermon at the same time, it, it was yeah. uh, very humbling and, and amazing. To me, it was like a, a little preview of what heaven might be like, you know, just people from, yeah. from different uh, cultures all and national colors and backgrounds and um, amazing, yeah. just an incredible sight to see. Yeah, that's one of the things what, what, what I really liked when I got saved. I saw people from all kinds of cultures and you really have that sense of like, wow. Yeah, I mean, you don't always have that, but when you experience that, it's like, wow, this is really, really a, a God church because uh, how else in, in somewhere in the world would you pe- put, put those, all those people together exactly. and they, they would not fight each other out, but right. because it's God's church, you're all on the same. It's really an amazing experience. So many cultures and nations. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, Pastor Dirk, we, we would love to hear uh, some, some more about you, and uh, this is our Testimony Tuesday, so we like to get the, the, the version of the testimony that takes more than five minutes. It's not just the, confer- right. <laughs> not just the conference testimony, not yeah. just the one that we give in our Saturday night scene, but uh, maybe you can start by telling us a little bit about uh, your, your background and your family, yeah. and how did you grow up? So I grew up in a very small town, like 15,000 people. We would call it like a farmer's village. It was very small and uh, basically, which means that, you know, everybody, every gossip, every detail about every person goes around. And uh, my parents, they, they would go to a, a church. We would call it like a religious church, like reformed or something like that. So I, I visit that uh, regularly, but I never had anything that I would experience. Like uh, I felt God was there. It was just sitting down, going home. There was nothing personal about it. So the area I am from, the, 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 the little village is called Bodegraven. Don't try to pronounce that. <laughs> I'll <but>. hurt myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would hurt yourself. <laughs> but um, so the, the attitude in that area, it's near Rotterdam, which might sound more familiar, like the harbor area. And it's all about uh, shut up and work. That's how we would say. I don't know if it's offensive mm-hmm. language, but um, that's, that's generally how you would grow up. Stop whining go working and that, that attitude you know there's no room for what you would see these days uh, uh complaining and whining no you're just gonna have to do work so that's our whole uh, uh growing up and our parents raising us that way always work i can remember a time when i was about uh 15 years old and um so there's a welfare system in holland and because i already had some jobs since 12 13 and 14 years old then at some point, um, I changed schools, and so uh, I stopped doing the job I did, and they called us. So the government, they called our home, our home phone. Back then, we didn't have the mobile phone, 
And I called my parents and say, hey, listen, you know, we see your son. He hasn't worked. He's not, he has no work currently. And, but because he already worked a bit, he's eligible for certain welfare. We can give him money. Now, I, I will never forget my mom's face hmm. because it's such a shame. And uh, so she looked at me and she, she beated me up. and said, you're going to go on the street. You're not going to go back into this house. You're such a shame that they will call us for welfare. So you get on the street, get a job. You don't come back. So that's the attitude of, you know, uh, of how we grew up. And um, uh, I also must say that um, uh, when I was very young, something happened to me. I was about six, seven. I think in that time there was a, a, a famine. Uh, how you call it? Yeah, a famine in uh, probably Rwanda, somewhere in Africa. So it was on the news. And I'm not quite sure, but I remember seeing something like that and thinking to myself, one day I'm going to be missionary, go to, into Africa. And uh, I forgot all about it. But my parents told me that every Sunday when I would visit my grandma, then they would all, my, oh, the whole family was gathered, uncles and, uh, and nephews and aunts, and they would always get, hey, dear, come on over and sing a song for us. And I had to sing some, some, some Christian song. And then they always asked me, what do you want to grow, uh, be when you grow up? And I would say, I'm going to be a missionary wow. going to Africa. And people laughed about it. And uh, so, ah, oh, look at him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But that dream completely just, I lost that. And uh, I went to high school. I wonder, I wonder where that idea even came from. I don't know. Well, now I know it's, it's just a God-given thing. Yeah. But at that time, it's just some, uh, they would expect, you know, this is just a kid. And um, so I grew up and uh, in, I must say in Holland, drugs and things like that are very, very, well, you probably know we're, we're known for that. So for us, drugs, uh, cocaine, ecstasy pills, uh, smoking weed, you know, for us, it's, it's not a big shame. And um, I've, I've given my testimony once in, in China about this. People were, couldn't believe what they were hearing. So I don't know if people listen to this worldwide and they think, what? Uh, what a, hmm. But I, when I was young, I think I was 13, I started smoking weed with hmm. some friends, not on a daily basis, but slowly graduating, drinking and uh, smoking weed. And I was, when I was 14, I, uh, I used ecstasy for the first time. We would go out to these parties and come back eight in the morning. And, uh, you know, my parents, they didn't care. They were like, yeah, he's a boy, you know, he should take care of himself. So that was very easy for me. I had as long no... as you keep your job. Yeah. As long as you keep your job <laughs> and you do a little bit well in school, if that's there, then, you know, then, then they were fine with it. And, and that's actually how culture was in those days from, for most kids of my age, all those teenagers, there was no, real pressure. I would sit home in, in my parents' home with 10 guys playing poker, drinking, smoking weed. My parents were just sitting on the couch in the next room. They, they really didn't care about those things, but that made me like drift away. And uh, sometimes when we, we, when we would go out in discos or bars, I remember when I was about 18 and 19, I, I, I saw those people, they were like 40 or 50. And I was thinking to myself, how sad is that? Mm. And, uh, you know, to have a life like that. And I saw people that I was expecting. You should be a parent right now. You should be parent, have kids, but you're here drinking. How sad is that? And so slowly that came into my mind and I realized it's going to be me because mm. for me, just one beer equals 20 beer. Mm. If I just start at one, it, I won't stop until we just drop. And uh, sometimes people had to drag me up into my bedroom to 
yeah, I was just lost. I just oh, uh, lacking in self control. Yeah, no self control. And so, and when I looked at that, and that was the beginning of uh, uh, God probably showing me, like, listen, man, this is going to be you. And but then I got this conflict in myself, like, all right, but what am I going to do? And uh, there are certain churches in Holland, they're Dutch reformed, but they're very strict. Those people will go to church. I think you can compare it to Pennsylvania Dutch, you know, always with the black clothing and uh, hats and stuff like that. Very pious. So in my mind, I thought, you know, if I'm going to do something for God, it has to be the craziest thing that's out there. Because like a regular uh, uh, reformed church, I'm not going to do well because I'm going to be in the bars. I need the most crazy thing that's out there. So I actually already made an appointment with a friend who went there and said, hey, can I, can I come with you? Because, uh, you know, I got to change something. I just didn't know how. And I uh, remember there was one, uh, uh, one Wednesday night. We had a uh, party and uh, we bought some cocaine. And then on a Wednesday night, I was at home alone watching football games, soccer, I must say, soccer games. And I just started, I just had some left from the weekend before. So I started using that. And then it, it hit me like, what am I doing? You know, using drugs in the weekend for us is like, I got it under control. That at least that's what we tell ourselves. And you know, during the week times, we try to behave a bit. But then when I start using drugs in the, in the week on my own, like, man, I'm so sad. This is, this is just plain regular sadness. And so I remember because I still believed, I believe there is a God. I just don't, didn't know how. I had no relationship with him, nothing. I, I just, so I prayed. I said, God, if you have another plan for my life, then just show me because this can't be it. You know, I'll promise you, blah, blah, blah. Next week, I was going to go into a bar on a Saturday morning with some friends. And then people walked the street, gave me a flyer, say, hey, we're from a church. Then it hit me like, man, the last week I prayed, God oh, wow. showed me something. And now these people come on my, you know, they tell me about Jesus. And I remember telling them uh, about, uh, I mean, they were telling me about their testimony and in my mind, it was already like calculating. Yeah, but do I want to become a, some Jesus freak? <laughs> I was in conflict, but I knew I'm such a hypocrite asking God and then just let this thing go away. Right. I couldn't. So I, I, I grabbed that flyer, put it in my pocket, went into the bar. So my friends were mocking me. What are you talking to those Jesus people for? And one of them wanted to grab the flyer and I almost hit him. I said, you, you don't touch that flyer. That's mine. So what's wrong with you? And so wow. I went to that church and... Uh, now, was this in your hometown or, or, or nearby? Yeah, it was in my hometown. Okay. But they were um, from a town about 10 kilometers away called Alphen aan de Rijn. And so they were just doing one day in our city. And that's where they, they, they met me. And uh, so I went to that church. And um, so that was my first encounter with a gospel church. Never had it before. And so I'm there and... You know, I had no idea what was going on. People raising their hands. So I'm raising my hands and worshiping. I'm looking around. What are they doing? Oh, uh, praising God. Well, let's <laughs> praise God and try to fit in. And, um, and so that summer, that was 20, uh, 2005, I already had this holiday planned with some guys. We would go to Greece. And um, that's a typical, how we would say, a booze holiday. You just drink like the whole week. You just go to the beach and, uh, oh, it's just one week of madness, to be honest. 
So in my mind, I knew like, hey, this is, I got to respond to this. I want to serve Jesus, but I got that week coming up. That's not going <laughs> to go well. So already in my mind, I'm like, all right, uh, I will make that choice for Jesus after that holiday because, you know, I can't keep up with that. And uh, I remember that first church, I, uh, before the church started, some guy was in the back grabbing an envelope, putting money in there. I, what's, what's this? This is like money laundering. What's this church into? So I asked this guy and he said, you know, I said, what, what are you doing there? You know, I understand the get baskets, but money in an envelope. He said, no, 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 I'm tithing. And he told me, you know, you don't, you should, you don't need to do that. So that was like when everybody say you don't need to do. So I grabbed my wallet, grabbed one of those. I wasn't even saved. I had no clue, but I started paying tithings from that day on before I got saved because somebody told me don't do, you don't need to do that. And then in the, in the announcements, like next Saturday, we're going to go to this and this city for our, for team. We, we, we just call it team. We don't call it outreach team. We call it team. So I figured it was football, soccer. Like, <laughs> oh, great. So I asked the same guy, like, so what's the team about then? No, no, no. We're going to go on the street and tell people, share our testimony. And, um, uh, and, and so I, I asked, and again, he said, like, but you don't need to do that. So I ran to that list, wrote my name down. Okay. I wasn't even safe. Okay, I'm getting I'm my... getting the pattern. So you're kind of a nonconformist, huh? I'm an, yeah, <laughs> most likely, most likely. <laughs> and so that night I was in that city. I was still smoking cigarettes, handing out flyers to people. <laughs> you should get saved. You should get saved with my cigarettes in my in my hand. And actually, two of the people I invited came and got saved. Of course. And then I realized, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? So I got saved that that very night myself. And uh, from then on, things were like a, a roller coaster, or at least like a, a rocket. Uh, I uh, cut off how, how everything I was doing. Yeah. How old and were I you? Cut, um, I was 21 at the time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and, I uh, I cut so off every. I was. I'm just curious a, a little bit more about about you. Like, uh, so were you involved in some industry or some some uh, profession at that time? Um, well, I I did uh, have a pretty like high level education as a teenager, like the, the highest one there is actually in Holland, uh, highest level. So I, w- I could go to universities. I could easily get into universities and all my classmates would do that. But I knew that's not for me because I was already smoking weed, drinking alcohol. So my parents forbid me to go to universities and no, 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 you're not going to go there, find a job. And so actually the, uh, 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 when they handed out the diplomas was kind of embarrassing because all my uh, classmates you're gonna go to Rotterdam University this one is going to Groningen this and, and so oh Dirk um oh we see you're gonna work for a year I say no no not for a year <laughs> and I was working in this cheese factory you know on a this kind of this belt how you call it conveyor that sounds, belt it sounds very Dutch yeah exactly so <laughs> just they, you know, you don't need education for that at all. You could just, right. anybody could do that. And so there, it was a, a silence in the room. Like, what is this guy doing? You have this education. You're going to work in a factory. And so, but I, I was happy just, just to work. And then um, slowly I got pretty bored by it because I was in, uh, uh, all my colleagues were, how to say, moms that we either divorced or their kids are already so they're like 60s and 50s. And I was listening to stories every day about soap <laughs> operas, this, soap operas, that. And I just felt my IQ dropping by the minute when I was in between there. Like, no, you got to be. I got so sad. So I called another friend and he said, uh, well, I work in a, uh, 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 they, they uh, how you call it? 
they they make books, they write books, and um, they they publish a publisher. Okay. So it's a publisher on uh, school books material concerning IT. Uh-huh. So they had all that and they asked me, are you well doing well with Microsoft Word and Excel? I said, yeah, I should be managing that. And uh, so I, I changed jobs. But then I realized they had all these university books on programming and software and all that. And I started reading it myself and learning that while I was there. And uh, I, uh, I realized, hey, programming is something that I can do. And uh, that's the high, I'm self-taught programmer. And then I just said that job goodbye and started my own business at the time and uh i've been doing that since then until three years ago when i got full-time in the ministry that you wow. know couldn't, couldn't uh, uh go together anymore so i just uh sold my business three years ago gave everything wow. away to be but i at least for that very long period of time i was a programmer so finally i did something with uh that with a little mo- bit more challenging and um so that was on the up until the point i got saved yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. All right. So tell me about the church that you got saved in. What was it like? Was it a small church environment or, or. Yeah. Okay. It was a very small church. Uh, well, small church, about 20 people, I'd say, and uh pioneer church, but I'm very, actually today, I'm very happy that I got saved in a church like that because. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.